My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, verse 27 and 28. Welcome to Canaanbound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaanbound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode 81. We begin today with the Canaanbound Devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. We continue this week with our look at Holy Scripture. The Shepherd's Voice My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 27-28 When a shepherd wants to gather his sheep, he knows what to do. He shouts his special call, and they come running. He knows that they lead them forward to good pasture, or that he brings them good food. The shepherd knows each sheep as it follows after him, and he knows how how to protect it from danger. Jesus calls and gathers us through his word. Through his voice, all of scripture, we hear him speak and we follow him. And he doesn't just give us food. Our shepherd gives us the free gift of eternal life. Yes, we can stop listening to him. This is what happens with unbelief. Such a person ends up lost and apart from God's flock. But we know that we are secure from all of our enemies. He protects us from our spiritual enemies. Satan himself cannot harm us or force us away from our shepherd's protection. Following the voice of Jesus, we know that we will never perish. Jesus, you have brought us into your flock. You have blessed us with faith to receive your word and to listen to you. Your voice promises us eternal life. For all this, we want to thank you. Keep us safe in your flock and protect us from all our enemies, just as you have promised. Let us always follow your voice until you take us to our eternal home. Amen. And now a song by Tracy Fedke, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need. shepherd will supply my need Jehovah is his name and pastures fresh he makes me feed beside the living stream he brings my Forsake his ways and leads me for his mercy's sake in paths of truth and grace. 
Join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 26, starting at verse 5. The dread are in deep anguish, those beneath the waters and all that live in them. The realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. In these verses and those that follow, Job takes Bildad on a tour of what the cosmos is really like. He begins in the grave the place where the dead are in deep anguish. These are dead souls. In Hebrew, they are the Rephaim, who shrink away from God's gaze and they tremble, exposed as those who are, who, who, exposed as they are, rather, to his holiness and his truth. They're scared. Those who have died at sea, those who have lost their loved ones, they're also known to God who doesn't forget anybody at all. They have no fear. Job has already compared himself with the dead in their agony and and longed to join them to transcend their agony into oblivion. And the realm of dead here is Sheol, a Hebrew word that sometimes stood for the grave and sometimes just for death itself. But sometimes it seems to mean something more like hell. Destruction here is the word Abaddon, which seems to be a place within Sheol that was a separate place for lost souls. In in Revelation 9.11, it's also a nickname for the devil. 
Proverbs 15.11 says, Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. The sinner cringes to think that God knows everything about us. But those with faith are comforted to know that God will never abandon us, even to the grave. God is Lord even of death and the grave. And we serve him. Paul tells us in Romans 14 that we serve God with our lives. We even serve God with our deaths. But we belong to him. And even after death, he will raise us again. Verse 7. He spreads out the northern skies over the empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. Job is describing the creation of the sky, of space, and the earth. The spreading of the sky like butter over bread is the picture later in the book for the final approach of the storm in chapter 37. Here Job is picturing the way he imagines the creation took place. Of course, Job and his friends didn't have Moses' correct account of the creation to read, but their wisdom far surpassed our modern tomfoolery and hypotheses. They knew that God was the creator, that God made the universe with his own almighty power. God suspending the earth over nothing is a remarkable picture of God placing our world in the heavens just where it needed to be. The word here for empty space is the word Moses also uses in his creation account when he says that in the beginning the world was formless. The word in Hebrew is tohu, formless and void. Verse 8, he wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. Two different words for clouds are here. The clouds in the first line are, are, are the ab, dark and ominous clouds pictured as God's chariot in Psalm 104. The clouds in the second line are the anan the dense cloud or thick smoke that filled the tabernacle and the temple, like in First Corinthians or First Kings eight, verse usually the Anan is sometimes the word used for the cloud in which God appears to the prophets in the glory of the Lord. But here they are just the clouds that are up in the sky, whatever kind they are. That is where God keeps the waters, and yet they don't burst under the weight of the water. God's miracle is always at work. Verse nine. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. There's actually a, a question here about the word for full moon. The Hebrew word for full moon is kessa, as in Psalm 81. But the Hebrew word here is kisse, which would be throne. And, and the Greek translation even has throne here. But in light of the context, I think that full moon seems as if it's probably what's meant here. The, the Hebrew consonants are identical. The difference is really only the one single dot that forms, that transforms the I of kise into the E of, of, of kese. But uh, also we need to keep in mind that sometimes the dialect of, of Moses and the earliest authors and, and the, the, the dialect that Job and his friends spoke, it's different from later Hebrew. And so perhaps we have a, a natural difference here. Verse 10, 11. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. The pillars of the heaven, or of the earth in Job 9, were a way of talking about mountains, whose roots went way down below the seas in Jonah 2, like the foundations of the earth, and whose summits were thought of supporting the sky itself. In, uh, in, in Tibet, 
the uh, the uh, the mountains there are often referred to as the as the roof of the world. Notice that in verse ten, Job, like Moses, describes God as di- as um, dividing light from darkness, like in Genesis one in the creation account. God has authority over night and day. Now, it it, it isn't our place here, but it would be interesting to compare the account of Genesis with various passages in Job. Maybe we'll talk about that some other time. Verses 12 to 14. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? In the beginning of verse 12, the sea is, is in Hebrew, Yam, which was a legendary sea monster in Ugaritic mythology. And we saw that back in Job 7. Rahab here, is, that's not the woman from Jericho. That's much later than this. It's another sea monster, the gliding serpent, associated uh, sometimes with the Red Sea, which is not far from the land of Uz in which our story takes place. For all the fear churned up by such rumors and the terror of the, I'll call it the untamable ocean, Job puts things into perspective. These wonders are just the fringe of what God has done. The thunder on the horizon, that's just a faint whisper from the Lord. The Lord will reveal himself to mankind in his own way, in his own time. Praise God that he has given us his full revelation, the complete picture of his will and his love in his son Jesus. In Jesus, there is all the fullness of the deity in a human body. In Jesus, the punishment for our sins fell with its crushing force. In Jesus, the resurrection of all mankind is proved by the empty tomb and the joy in the faces of his disciples. Their joy is ours, just as the forgiveness they knew is the full forgiveness that we know too. In these verses, we've had a couple of storm alerts in, in 26.8, God wraps up the water in his clouds if the clouds do not burst under their weight, visible on the horizon and approaching hour by hour, heavy storm clouds heave their way toward Job and his companions. In verse 9, the approaching clouds cover the full moon. And in verse 14, Job asks, Who can understand the thunder of his power? The sound of distant thunder anticipates the arrival of God's approaching storm. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We end with a Camp Philip Choir song, Steppin' with the Shepherd. Yeah.
Listening to episode 81 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in September of 2014. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and find links to the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit Wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>